Welcome back, my fellow pioneers. This is the space between the picket lines where we talk about all things pro-life, but we come at it from a strictly scientific, logical, and provable basis. In last week's episode, we discussed the three big proofs of humanity. And today, we're going to talk frankly about what actually happens during an abortion and also the aftermath for the woman. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, today's discussion is going to be hard, but it is also vital because a woman cannot possibly truly have any kind of choice until she actually knows the choice that she is making and facing. Now, since we are strictly looking at facts, as we do on this channel, I'm going to explain to you exactly what happens in the most common abortion procedures, which range across all three trimesters of pregnancy. From there, we're going to get into the long-term effects on a woman's health. Additionally, since I cannot display the images in auditory format, I wanted to let you know that you can find picture proof of everything that I am saying by going to 100abortionphotos.com. Also, Live Action has many videos that are available which, deal, which detail and deal with the things that I am about, about to discuss here. For the purposes of this podcast, we will use Planned Parenthood as our example because it is the abortion behemoth of America. Finally, to better or to help better reinfuse the baby's humanity, we will bring Anne from the Stages of Fetal Growth podcast back into the equation. So starting with the procedures themselves, and this comes straight from Planned Parenthood's website, quote, there are two kinds of abortion in the United States. There's in-clinic abortion and the abortion pill, unquote. So focusing first on the abortion pill, which is sometimes known as a chemical abortion. It is a combination of two separate medications. First is mifepristin oral, which is also known as RU486, and then there is misoprostol. Now abortionists will most likely recommend the abortion pill until up to the 11-week point, which is also taken directly from the Planned Parenthood website. By 11 weeks, Anne has distinct human features such as fingers and toes. So if Anne's mom decides to abort her, she will need to start with mifepristin. Now, mifepristin blocks the body's production of something called progesterone, which is a hormone that is imperative to Anne's early growth in the womb. After Anne has been starved of nutrients for 48 hours, her mom would then take the second medicine, misoprostol. This second medicine induces heavy cramping and bleeding as Anne's or bleeding as Anne's embryo, her embryonic sac, and the lining of her mom's uterus are all expelled. Now, during all of this and then afterwards, Anne's mom's body is going to be greatly affected. We know compliments of whiterosewomencenter.org what some of the most common side effects are. They include extreme versions of the following bleeding, uterine and stomach cramps, back pain, and in some cases, a severe allergic reaction. That is the black and white reality of what is known as a first trimester abortion pill abortion. Now on to the second trimester, 
This one, uh, abortion that is, this one would occur between weeks 13 and 24. Now by week 13, Anne has fully formed organs and by week 24, she can do everything from kicking to regulating her own sense of balance. So at this point, Anne's mother would need to uh, to schedule an in-clinic abortion. Now, this this is really important. The reason why the abortion pill will no longer work at this stage is because Anne is too large for the pill to kill her. So therefore, she would uh, Anne's mother would have to go into a clinic and they would have to do it for her. Now, we know compliments of the AidToWomenCenter.org that something called a D&E, which is short for dilation and evacuation, would need to be scheduled. This one is another two-step process, and this time there happen to be two separate versions, depending on what stage of growth and development Anne is at. In both types of DNEs, dilation is the first step. It happens when the cervix, which is the opening to the uterus, is expanded. From there, within 24 to 48 hours, one of two things will occur. If the abortion is occurring before the 17-week mark, the abortionist enters the cervix with a suction tube and then uses something called the aspiration technique to suck Anne out of the uterus. The abortionist then goes back in with forceps and something called a curette and scrapes any remnants of Anne from her mom's uterine wall. Again, um, live action has a really fantastic video that goes a lot more in-depth on that. However... If Anne is 17 to 24 weeks along, the abortionist enters her mother's cervix with a toothed clamp and proceeds to dismember Anne's body limb by limb and then crush her skull so that it can be removed from her mother's womb. And keep in mind, the reason that at this stage of growth, Anne can't just be suctioned out bit by bit is because she is too large. So they are forced to tear apart her limbs to get her all the way out. Now, this procedure comes with more innate risks to Anne's mother. The cervix could be cut or torn or damaged, which actually hinders, um, hinders future pregnancies and also can cause bleeding out. Um, general anesthesia is also sometimes needed, which can cause convulsions and slash or heart attacks. And there can also be scarring of her mother's uterus, which can result in future miscarriages. Now, in addition to all of that, Another final bit of damage that can occur is that the uterus and the nearby organs can be punctured. So, lots of bad. Now, that is the black and white reality of second trimester abortions. On to a third trimester abortion. And once again, compliments of AidToWomenCenter.org, we know the following information. By this stage, Anne is fully formed, and she is simply gaining weight to prepare to be born. Now, should her mother choose to have an abortion at this time, it would be known as an induction abortion, which is named as such because it induces labor. Just like it would if Anne's mother was choosing to not murder her, and instead she was just giving birth to her like she regularly would. Now, this type of abortion generally takes about 10 to 24 hours total. First, Anne would have digoxin or potassium chloride injected into her amniotic fluid, her umbilical cord, 
or her heart. The reason why this has to be injected is because it has to stop her heart. And the reason why it has to stop her heart is because if Anne's heart is beating when she is delivered, by law, the abortionist is required to save her life. And very clearly, if the goal is to abort Anne, saving her life would be opposite of what they're trying to produce from this endeavor. Now, once Anne's heart has stopped, her mother's cervix would be softened, then labor would be induced, and a now-dead Anne would be delivered. Now, of course, this one comes with its own set of risks. There's possible rupturing of the uterus, of the, uter- the uterus. There is possible hemorrhaging, and there's the possibility of needing a blood transfusion, as well as having something called a retained placenta, which is never good news for the woman. Now, that, that is the black and white reality of a third trimester abortion. Now, really quickly, I want to touch on a lesser acknowledged abortion method, which is called the partial birth abortion. This is a real thing, and thanks to the Guttmacher Institute, the 2021 laws, or like the year 2021, the laws about it on this topic are actually available. So you can go to the Guttmacher Institute, and for this year, there are currently 19 states where the horror, which I am about to describe, is a legal procedure. So in a partial birth abortion, what happens is the following. Anne gets delivered, but not all the way. Thanks to NRLC.org, we know that all of Anne's body, minus her head and her neck, would exit the birth canal. Now with her head still inside of her mother's womb, the, uh, the abortionist would puncture the base of her skull and then insert a powerful suction catheter whose sole purpose is to remove Anne's brain. This would cause Anne's skull to collapse and then her head would be removed from the birth canal. That, that is a legal procedure as of 2021 in 19 states. And this happens to the child while they're still living. The, the, the way that they die is that their brain is sucked out of the base of their skull. Now that we have a clear understanding of what each type of abortion entails, we can discuss the long-term effects on the mother afterwards. There is physical, there's emotional, and there's psychological. Now, physically, many things can happen. There's secondary infertility, which basically translates to it's either much harder and slash or impossible for the mother to have future children should should she so choose to. There's also ectopic pregnancies, which is where the pregnancy uh, is in a weird space. There's spontaneous stillbirth, which means that for no obvious reason, the child dies in the womb. Or technically speaking with the stillbirth, it means that they are, they're born dead. But like it's not necessarily a miscarriage because with miscarriages, it's generally more for whenever they, uh, the, the child's heart stops beating in the womb at some point prior, usually to the third trimester. So there's miscarriage and then there's stillbirth. Then there's also the risk of breast cancer. That is actually a risk um, that, that one can take on whenever they choose to have an abortion. And premature death is another one that can happen to the mother as well as the child. Those are the big ones to know about. Now, there are plenty more, and you can go research all of that if you wish to. And I found that on ncbi.org. But beyond just the physical, and just as serious, there's a lot of psychological and emotional scars that many women experience. Thanks to physiciansforlife.org, 
We know that women who have abortions are 160% more likely than those who choose life for their children to be hospitalized for psychiatric treatment in the first 90 days following an abortion. Also, researchers have found that 44% complained of nervous disorders that they did not previously have, 36% experienced sleep disturbances that they would not have previously experienced, 31% have regrets about their decision, and 11% had to be prescribed psychotropic medicine by their family doctor after they had the abortion. Additionally, 19% suffered from PTSD that they did not have prior to that endeavor. Now, of course, there's so much more that goes into the mix, but those are the big ones to be aware of. Now, as previously stated, there is a plethora of side effects and repercussions which will follow a post-abortive woman long after she has made the decision to end her child's life. Now, now that you're armed with this knowledge, allow me to give you some hope. If you have found yourself in this situation, if you are a woman who has already terminated the life of your child, I can connect you to any resources that you might need, completely free of judgment. I am not here to tell you you are an evil person. I'm here to help you get from where you are to a much better place. And I just want to help you get there because you matter. No matter what your past decisions were, you matter. Now, if you happen to be someone who knows someone in such a predicament, either, you know, maybe they're considering abortion or they've already had one, please send them my way. Again, I can help. Finally, if you're like me and you just want to be one of the people that helps, please reach out. I have people I can connect you to and places you can volunteer. There's all sorts of absolutely amazing stuff out there for you. And no matter what your story you can find me on most social media under Proudly Pro-Life Gen Z Woman. Again, that is Proudly Pro-Life Gen Z Woman. And on Facebook, I am Bex David, which is B-E-X, or for you military types, Bravo Echo X-Ray. Last name David, like the biblical king. Now, switching gears to a slightly less heavy topic, here's this week's book recommendation. It is called Post-Abortion Trauma, Nine Steps to Recovery. It's by Jeanette Voigt. And it goes incredibly in-depth on helping to heal women. Now, as far as I can tell, this one only comes in paperback. So if you're a hardcover fan, sorry. Uh, but you can find it on both Thrift Books and Amazon. And I'm sure like a variety of other places. But those were the two most obvious ones that I found. Now, the biggest takeaway I want whoever's listening to have from this is please, please remember. God loves and cherishes you so much, no matter where you currently are in life or what you have done in your past. Stand strong in that knowledge and live as though it is true, because it is. Now, next week, we're going to look at the real and true origins of abortion as like a thing that people can do. And we're also going to talk about what you need to know regarding it. Until then... Keep on keeping on, and let's continue to be pioneers in the space between the picket lines together. Thank you very kindly for joining me, and I'll see you next week.